Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and people of all sexes, and those of you still struggling with that pesky pronoun decision, time once again for something completely different, featuring the return of Dr. Don Williams, the Smithsonian Institute's retired overseer of old wooden stuff, keeper of the barn on White Run, author of the notorious bestseller Saving Stuff, father of two, husband of one, who, along with his notorious suspender collection, has been seen coast-to-coast and border-to-border and throughout YouTube educating audiences on everything wood. More importantly, and for our purposes here, an erudite and articulate observer of the world around us. It's been uh, been a tad more than three months since uh, Don's last visit, so a lot of catching up to do. Dr. Don, welcome back to our humble pod. Well, thank you so much. The introduction has me sort of blushing a bit but you know well i'll nobody can see me so we're all fine well that's true that's true as a uh, just as a personal note uh, i hope you and your uh, one dominant eye are are doing well after your 417th uh, operation the other day yeah well as as i quote my bride it's amazing what they can do with sharp sticks and laser beams these days Ooh. <laughs> yeah it's it's holding steady well, that's good. Hopefully, death perception will not be a will not be a bigger problem than it's been in the past, and you can navigate the uh, the acreage around around your hacienda with uh, with with great alacrity. The biggest problem I always have is it's my dominant eye, which uh, doesn't work very well. Which means I uh, have a lot of trouble with uh, long range tools. Mm. Uh, Short range tools, I can just move the, the aim to my left eye, but uh, I really like uh, rifle shooting, and so I am in the process of inventing a uh, new scope because I can't be the only person in the world who has a defective uh, dominant eye who likes to shoot. So hmm. once I do that, I'll release that uh, specs and technology to the world, and they can do with it as they will because I have no interest in commercial uh, applications. I'm I'm trying to uh, retreat from the commercial world in general as much as I can these days. So, well, that's uh, that's interesting. As a um, well, as a side note, and maybe you've already gone down this road, but uh, if you uh, want or need or are just curious about any uh, information in that realm, I would uh, highly recommend uh, getting in touch with my friend Tom Gresham. Uh, he, the host of Gun Talk, uh, son of Grits Gresham. A uh, very helpful guy and um, a great knowledge of just about anything in the firearms world. And if he doesn't know it, he knows at least 714 people who do. So, as I uh, as I mentioned, it's uh, it's been a whopping uh, 90 days plus uh, since our uh, last talkathon here. And at the time, uh, East Palestine, Ohio, was big news. Sounds like ancient history. Now today, of course, it's all about the Trump indictment. Uh, in the interim, uh, have you? Uh, have you taken note of the mood of the country changing significantly? Uh, are bread and circuses and apathy still the order of the day? Or uh, do you get the sense that the natives are becoming uh, more restless? I know that there's uh, some such and such. Uh, is it a Godwin argument or something? But, you know, if, you, if you're in an argument, the first person who brings up Hitler is the, is the loser of the argument. But the thing that I, I reflect on is... When, from our vantage point, when we look back 
now 90 years to what Germany was going through in the 30s and as civil, at least uh, somewhat virtuous people, we wonder how in the world did they did they fall down this lethal rabbit trail? And, you know, 90 years from now, historians, if that is still a uh, discipline, will look back and say, how in the world did these people squander it all away? And we have seen, quite frankly, the machinations of the January 6th committee, in my mind, did prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that there was a treasonous insurrection, only it was the January 6th committee that was committing the treasonous insurrection. And I, I think we talked about this once before. The day that Obamacare was passed and there was not a multitude of tens of millions of people out in the streets with pitchforks and torches, I knew it was all over. Uh, it was just done. And quite frankly, I don't know of anything that is going to provoke a meaningful effort to recapture a civil society. I just don't know what it can be. Uh, we see um, liberal young white women sacrificing their children to the pagan god of not Moloch, but environmentalism or leftism or something else. And there's nothing that seems to work. Occasionally, you'll get a little bit of a, a blip at the school board hearing or even school board elections. And, you know, that gives me some glimmer of hope. I don't think that there is a society-wide awakening, but perhaps one neighborhood at a time. But when uh, the forces of evil control all of the institutions of inculcating and transmitting and informing, boy, we're, we're in a pretty tough spot. Yeah, there was a quote from uh, from a gentleman uh, with a rather unusual name. He was a forester of some note uh, from Africa, as I recall, and I, I wish I could just magically pull up the, the quote itself, but of course I, uh, I can't. Essentially, what he said was uh, that we only love what we know, and we only know what we're taught. Yeah. And while that may be remarkably obvious, uh, when it's spelled out, it becomes a, a little bit of, a, of an impact. And, and I was thinking about that while you were speaking, because I, it, it is amazing to me also that these things are taking place, whether it's the environment, whether it's uh, uh, transgenderism, whether it's drag queen uh, expositions at public schools, whether it's the uh, two-tiered justice system and so on. It's amazing to me how uh, more and more people are not only aware but incensed uh, at what they're seeing. And I keep coming back in conversation and in reason to the fact that you don't know what you don't know, which is obvious, uh, painfully obvious. Well, why don't you know? And if the information, even a smidgen of it, is withheld, or when it's regularly withheld, due to a lack of coverage by the mainstream media, if three or four or five of the more notorious networks you know, are intentionally ignoring, leaving out that information, 
then it would be logical that the vast majority of people would just be wandering around thinking everything is fine and dandy, and the only thing that we're talking about is, uh, you know, the latest baseball score and the weather forecast. So I'm, I'm wondering if the possibility, as you say, you don't see any possibility of coming back from the brink here, is that uh, if there was a possibility of sharing this information in greater volume and depth and coverage, do you think then that the basic morality of our fellow citizens would be incensed enough to actually uh, do something about it? No, I do not, because I think the moral compass is off, and information does not change the moral compass. Uh, there's a there's a well-known figure among the right. I don't follow or admire him very much, named Ben Shapiro. And his tagline is, the facts don't care about your feelings. Well, he has it completely wrong, because we are not a fact-based culture. We are a feeling-based culture. And in fact, the actual, uh, if he were to quote it accurately, which would free quite a, you know, diversion for him, is that feelings don't care about your facts. And I think that there is a, a, a sense of ennui in the culture. There's a sense that something's wrong. But, you know, in order to learn about it, in order to know about it, I have to learn about it. And I am not a huge John Adams fan. And we all remember him with the uh, comment that this Constitution was made for a moral and religious people and is suitable for none other. Well, he could have just as easily said this Constitution is made for an informed and knowledgeable people and is suitable for none other. We do not have a knowledgeable uh, population, and I talk even with with folks that I encounter uh, casually or socially or anywhere uh, about information, and they say, well, where did you find that out, or where did you see this, or how can you know that? And the fact is, Brian, that you and I are committed to the notion, and this is going to sound snobby, and believe me, I'm not going to care. Uh, we care enough to learn about it. We care enough to seek it out, because if you at your end of the computer and me at my end of the computer can learn and figure out and, and obtain information, it it is available to anybody who is so inclined. But people are not so inclined. They are ignorant. And I'm not using that as a pejorative. I'm using it as a descriptor. It means they do not possess the knowledge. And something that is a pejorative is that they're self-absorbed and lazy. They do not want to be bothered with living in a, in a free society. I mean, our nation state passed out of the republic phase a century or more ago. We're now at the tail end of the democracy phase. And people say, oh, we're not a democracy. Well, that's, that's foolishness. We are. We make choices, and the, the the sort of federalist vision of a republic is long gone. And we're soon going to be mutating. We may be, I think we're probably well along the way, of going to an imperial model where basically some oligarch, uh, either individually or a small oligarchy, just makes all the decisions for us. And as a culture in the aggregate, we are just fine with that. 
we are just fine with the fact that we have somebody in the White House as the figurehead who is quite literally incompetent, mentally incompetent. And we're just fine with the fact that the um, cadre around Obama are still running the show and they're just fine with it. And we're just fine with choosing upsides and just putting on jerseys and fighting it out without ever addressing the notion that if we truly want freedom and liberty, then we have to have self-governance. But instead, what we want is uh, a Franco of our own who can who can defeat the evil ones and sort of maintain a vaguely functioning civil society. And I don't know that they're right or wrong, but uh, the civil society we have now, I I, I was just uh, corresponding with uh, one of my siblings and said the pr- big problem that most sensible people have is that they cannot bring themselves to realize that we cannot begin the hard work, the hard work of rebuilding a civil culture until we exterminate the Republican Party because they are the they are the protectors of the centurions who are inflicting on us. They the Democrats, the left, the hard left, they have never betrayed me. They are my enemy, but they have never betrayed me. They tell me up front what they're gonna do. The Republicans betray me at every turn. Uh, you know, I left the Republican Party when George Bush the Elder was selected because I knew that he was just a gutless pansy. Uh, I left the Libertarian Party when I realized that they're just um, fantasists who who are not connected or to any sense of how institutional society works. And so I'm just out here on my own. That's where I am. Well, on the subject of self-governance, that's something that uh, I love discussing and wrestling with uh, for a pretty good while. You know, America was a great uh, experiment in self-governance, and then there was the we're a republic, no, we're democracy, blah, blah, blah. But there are uh, enough uh, reasonable quotes uh, lying about uh, that talk about uh, governance, self-governance, and if you take it literally – uh, it seems to me that, well, if um, if the government that governs best governs least, then no government would be the best government. There, you know, there'd be no government like no government because then self-governance would be the only thing left. And if that's what true freedom uh, really is, an expression of self-governance without rulers, but possibly with voluntarily agreed to rules, then... Is that too complicated to uh, to think that we'd ever get to that point? Well, I, I, I'm not sure if it's complicated. I do think that it's not necessarily beneficial, but certainly not accomplishable. I think that governments, um, I do accept the premise that uh, cultures need governance uh, to the extent that that governance is devolved to the lowest, to the closest to the to the person or the family as possible is good. But there are legitimate functions of government just because our country has been engaged in nonsensical um, wars doesn't mean that they shouldn't have the capacity to engage in war. I do think that that is a legitimate function of government is to protect the borders and the populace. Um, I think that the purpose of government is also to protect my rights. And by that, I mean, 
if necessarily, with a with a heavy hobnail boot on the on the faces of those who will violate those rights. Um, and and sometimes that has to be done proactively. So I'm not um, an anarchist by any stretch of the. I am neither not a libertarian or anything else. I'm I'm basically sort of a philosophical minarchist that says we we must have government, but it must be the smallest that is necessary to execute the the portfolio that it had legitimately possesses, which basically is protecting the territory, the borders, and the population from foreign adversaries and for fighting um, crime in the public square. Well, you said that you cited a couple of things that were legitimate functions of government, but I'm wondering if from a historical perspective, looking back and judging the the historical record of government, is it realistic to believe that while there may be legitimate functions of government, can government ever function legitimately? No, because we are we are a wicked and sinful people, and the government always is going to reflect the people. I heard an interesting comment. I think it was just an offhand comment, but could have been when um, Tucker was interviewing Matthias Desmet. Desmet is, I think, a really important thinker. And he said, in a in a democratic system, there can be no leadership because the so-called leaders are selected by the populace. So all we have are selected followers in positions of power. And um, it does indicate that given our given our failures as human beings to fulfill perfection, uh, there's really no way to not stop the devolution. In other words, for you and me to have the government we want, we have to be the ones in charge of that government. And if we want the government to be what Brian and Don would admire most highly, then somehow we've got to have uh, perfect wisdom, perfect incentives, perfect motives on the part of all the participants, because otherwise we're going to get, um, you know, we're going to get a situation that is what we have. I mean, I, I, I have been reading and rereading Romans chapter one an awful lot lately because it describes what happens when the human condition is left unfettered. Well, in as much as uh, perfection it not only doesn't exist, but it probably is not within our grasp any time in our lifetime. Uh, well, it'll be the next lifetime, yeah. Oh. <laughs> the after lifetime. <laughs> for, for, for those left behind, uh, I suspect they're going to be um, sorely disappointed uh, from election to election, thinking yeah. that they're going to elect uh, perfection. By the way, I, your uh, your comment about leaving the Republican Party reminded me of a, a quote from uh, P.J. O'Rourke I came across the other day that I happen to have handy. It said, think what evil creeps liberals would be if their plans to enfeeble the individual, exhaust the economy, impede the rule of law, and cripple national defense was guided by a coherent ideology instead of smug ignorance. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was... Uh, it was uh, pretty interesting. Well, uh, just to finish off this uh, uh, this line, uh, I'm also uh, reminded of uh, Sam Adams. Mm-hmm. Sam Adams, quote, 
that everyone, I suspect, knows about not taking a majority to prevail, but rather an irate, tireless minority keen on setting brush fires freedom in the minds of men, which, which I, uh, by the way, is a sidebar, I found interesting that Margaret Mead uh, said something very similar uh, a little while later, and I was just wondering whether she was thinking along parallel lines or uh, was she uh, cribbing uh, from uh, Adam's notes. But uh, nevertheless, if uh, uh, would it be safe to say then, based on everything you've just uh, summarized, uh, that uh, Sam Adams would be a bit of a dreamer if he thought that he'd just uh, get together a, a minority of people with enough adrenaline to be able to restore what was required to uh, run the country. I think that's actually, I, I don't disparage that comment. I think it's be the most accurate one that's crossed uh, many a founder's minds or lips. The, the, uh, the, the blogger and current maven, Orrin McIntyre said, the side that wants to be left alone always loses out to the side that wants to win. And the fact is that um, if we think about all of the dysfunctional, vitriolically anti-human um, policies that are being pursued, they're being pursued by a minuscule, minuscule population, but they want to win. They want to win. Those of us who want to be left alone, we do not want to win because it will cause us to do things we don't, we aren't comfortable with doing. Antifa has no problem lighting up a city, shooting people. The uh, the, the 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 psychotics who think that they're a different uh, person than the one than the, the than the body they inhabit. They want to win, and they're willing to do whatever it takes. And um, whether that's short term or long term, uh, you know, the the ver- those who espouse traditional uh, Western virtues, whether that's of a biblical expression or simply a uh, civility expression, we don't want to win that much. We just don't want to win, and so we won't. I get the sense that uh, being left alone or self-governance or whatever term we put on it um, really is kind of a, a self-imposed apathy in the face of people who are uh, fired up enough to take the necessary action to get what they want, which requires taking something that we have. Yeah, and, you know, one of the one of the guiding um lights for for a lot of this in my understanding is actually the the theology uh and I use that term expressly because it does involve a cosmological worldview of the KGB and their official doctrine is anybody who does not agree anybody who does not agree with the state is by definition mentally ill and that's the same I don't agree with the sentiment, but the the analysis is correct that everybody is going to be made to account. And as uh, uh, I think it was the the broadcaster, Eric Erickson, whom I don't really he's not my cup of tea and I don't really enjoy his program. But he he was the guy who came up with the comment that said, you will be made to care. They are going to come out after you one at a time through your bank through your business, through your community, through your church, you will be made to care. And if you don't care, 
then you had better have uh, an unbelievable level of insulation because the abuse that they will come after you with is uh, is fearsome, is fearsome. I just I just finished listening to uh, an interview or comments by Jay Bhattacharya, and I mean, they they came out of the woodwork after him just for telling the truth about the uh, Chinese bioweapon. You know, uh, I happen to live in a in a minuscule sized county where um, hopefully uh, my best friend here is going to be elected sheriff soon. And, um, you know, that's that's the best I can hope for. But uh, to think that Antifa is not going to come marching out here, to think that there's not going to be uh, insane prideacs coming out here, uh, that's a dream. That's a dream. Well, the only thing I could say on, in that regard is if they uh, take the uh, the route that I took the last time, I think they'd probably wind up with uh, getting seasick just navigating the turns. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know, when we think about uh, when we think about and talk about uh, these things and the different areas and, and overlays, uh, um, especially when we start getting into theology and and uh, like you say, you're reading Romans uh, quite a bit and so on. Uh, for for those not inclined in that direction, or if they have some mild irritation in that regard. Uh, what do you think about uh, the uh, the take that Howe and Strauss had on the uh, on the fourth turning? I know that's some years ago that they wrote that, but it's, uh, it gets discussed and discussed and discussed over and over again, and it seems to have at least a, a fair amount of logic and history going for it, that even if you're not uh, spiritually motivated, uh, that sure. uh, that would be a little difficult to, to deny and, and maybe a little bit easier to understand. What do you think? Yeah, I think we first talked about it maybe 20 years ago, yeah. and I spoke very disparagingly of it. Um, and, you know, to quote uh, one of our um, least great presidents, Lyndon Baines Johnson, once when he gave a, an answer to a press conference, and the guy says, but Mr. President, you gave the exact opposite answer a year ago. And he said, I reserve the right to be smarter than I used to be. And um, when it comes to Strauss and Howe, uh, you don't have to be you don't have to be spiritually inclined at all to recognize they were observing uh, truth. And I say, as as a spirit-minded person, anything that is truthful aligns with the cosmos, in my view, regardless of the source of that truth. If it is true, it aligns with the cosmos. And I think that. Their observations are not perfect, but I think that they recognize that the atmosphere of the culture is what it is. You do not have to be, you know, a Bible-thumping Christian to recognize um, nonsense when you see it. And they, I'm not saying they were speaking nonsense or identifying nonsense, they were just saying that part of the dynamic of, of the human society is that it, it forms these cyclical patterns. And uh, I have come to uh, realize that um, they were they were right on the mark and it's, it's worth studying. Uh, I, I keep um, I mean, uh, if you if you combine Strauss and Howe with uh, DeSmet, you are you are going to be 
you know, well in tune to understanding both the dynamics as they're happening, as they did happen, and as they will happen. Uh, so that's that's a that's a smart thing. Uh, you know, I think that um, uh, immersing in scripture is beneficial, but not everybody does. So I would say start with start with those sources of truth, because sources of truth will align with the nature of the cosmos. I remember when I interviewed those guys when the uh, book first came out back in, and that was 1997, which is probably right around the same time that uh, you and I uh, first went around the mulberry bush on that. I I wish I had known more. Uh, I wish I had had a a more objective and uh, inclusive understanding of some of the things uh, that they were discussing at the time, because it was all rather rather new and astounding. But over the years, it does seem to be, it does it does parallel. The uh, regardless of which side of the coin is spiritual, non-spiritual, there does seem to be a, an interesting parallel about that. Uh, what do you think about uh, the status of folks, regardless of their knowledge, uh, but assuming that they're uh, at least mildly ignorant, but totally frustrated at the way things have uh, been going in the world, in society, in our country? Like you mentioned, some of the horrific things that are happening in public schools with regards to uh, transgenderism and, and all the rest of that. Um, and the results that people have gotten when they've gone to their appropriate outlet school boards, PTA meetings and so on, and been met with such hostility. Is there, um, is that just something that needs to be endured? Uh, or would just the most logical and better thing to be would just to get their kids out of the schools and, you know, and, and that would be a fairly simple and effective solution? Uh, well, certainly. Uh... I am of the opinion that having children in public schools is, is a priori proof of child abuse. Um, I think withdrawing uh, your consent, uh, withdrawing the consent of the governed is, is certainly the perfect place to start. Um, voting locally is, is probably the least um, futile of that of participating in that particular uh, civic exercise. I, I don't happen to think that voting beyond the community makes any sense. The ultimate motivator when push comes to shove is deprivation. As our late lamented uh, dear friend used to say, hunger is a powerful motivator. And I think in the in the hands of really cunning um, oligarchs, tyrannical oligarchs, as long as they can keep the people fed, they can they can keep things under control. It's worked for China up to this point. They made a bargain sort of after Tiananmen Square that said, "Okay, if we can feed you, will you put up with tyranny and the Chinese people? like virtually all people on earth have said, yeah, we'll take it. And so uh, in in the United States here, in the West, uh, we're going to take it until the food stops arriving on our kitchen counters. Um, I think that that's really the only thing that's going to motivate people immensely. Now, it's, you know, and when you think about it, we've seen examples of tremendous – um, social upheaval in certain places around the globe. Venezuela comes to mind. Those people down there are starving. 
but they've also disarmed themselves. So they got no uh, counteraction to take. And we have not yet disarmed ourselves in this country, at least the 20 or 30 or 40 percent of the population that has uh, tools of personal defense. You know, my great fear is that um, we have too many of our compatriots who say, yeah, bring on the Civil War. But, you know, go to a, go to a town hall meeting. Oh, that's just too much trouble. <laughs> go to a school board meeting. That's too much trouble. Write a letter to my congressman or make a phone call. Sheesh. I, I can't be bothered with that. But, you know, when those feds come over the hill, I'm going to get out there with my AK-76 and mow them down. Uh, you know, we have a lot of poseurs on our side. Yeah, I get the sense that there's uh, there's a lot more uh, stuff and nonsense about that, which which I, quite frankly concerns me. You know, that the, the, the citing of the statistics that uh, in a country of 350 million people, there are about 300 million firearms in the hands of private citizens. And I believe it was uh, some Japanese emperor who said that's why they would never invade America because, you know, they've got, got all these guns and that kind of routine. There would be one behind every blade of grass, yeah. Exactly. Uh, and, 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 and maybe that's true, but I would suggest that that's exactly where they'll stay. They'll stay behind that blade of grass. And they may um, they may be mouthing uh, you know great platitudes and and, and fortitudes and exactitudes and other tudes they uh, uh, reflect their attitude about uh, you know uh, I'm gonna just let me at them I'm gonna you know whatever cold dead hands all that uh, but I don't think that it has any uh, when when push comes to shove when they start kicking doors down if that's the way it happens when confiscation you know comes into play if that's what happens. I, I doubt very seriously that uh, that the average person is uh, going to is going to see it for what it is and and do what they would think would be necessary under those conditions. It uh, sounds good and rough and tumble and John Wayney and you know and all the rest, but that's about it. A uh, couple things that really I, I just can never scrub from the front of my mind is that the federal government and most state governments didn't lock us in death camps, but they locked us in our homes for two or three years uh, very recently. Uh, and anybody in my mind that was paying the least bit of attention knew that was all nonsense from the very beginning. I'm not even a, a bioscientist, and I could see that all the COVID stuff was nonsense within a few months. Of, of Well, certainly by the time they had uh, nationwide and statewide lockdowns, I knew it was nonsense. So anybody who thinks that we're going to not put up with this stuff, that's that's just self-delusion. But the thing that really struck me was a recent case, and and the application of it is, is not really important, except that it's indicative. There was a woman who was standing and meditating outside an abortion clinic in uh, England. She was standing still, out of the way, making no noise, making no disruption. She was arrested, quite literally, for having bad thoughts, for having unacceptable, socially or legally unacceptable thoughts. How far is that off from where we are? And possessing bad thoughts is going to be enough to get you um, going. I mean, 
we need to be reminded, the public needs to be reminded that 1984 was written as a caution. It was not written as an instruction manual. Yes, I'm familiar with the story about that lady, and I'm familiar with the fact that apparently after she was arrested and uh, and processed and so on, uh, time went by, and it happened a second time, and she was arrested again. I find that if I, not not only outrageous, uh, but also the fact that there were people around, there were there were there were bystanders and so on, and no one seemed to be too excited about uh, doing anything about it or speaking out about it or going to her defense or, or whatever. But uh, that's probably uh, a subject for another time. Uh, yeah, it's just an indicative touchstone. Yes. A yard yeah. marker yeah. of where we are. That is unfortunately true. Well, I've, I've said for you know, a while, you know, the uh, contagious apathy is, is one of the great plagues, probably has, probably has a, a place somewhere in, in Revelation on one of those horses. But um, unfortunately... Uh, I see the uh, warning light on our parking meter is uh, blinking chartreuse, indicating someone's about to pull the plug on all this expensive electronic equipment. Um, put another way, we're we're out of time, but um, but some good news. Um, uh, recently, I uh, I began writing for Substack, the uh, spiffy operation that will cheerfully notify you when articles and podcasts of interest like this uh, become available. Uh, it'll probably be another couple of months. Uh, give society an opportunity to corrode a little bit more when we'll get uh, Don back up here. And uh, you can click on the link below uh, for a, a free subscription. You won't be left out of the uh, proverbial loop when uh, Don and I reconvene here, as we are uh, prone to do. Uh, by the way, you can and should uh, visit uh, Don Williams on his very entertaining and informative website and blog, which is www.com. Don's Barn, that's one word, D-O-N-S-B-A-R-N, Don'sBarn.com. Nice pictures, and uh, especially if you're into woodworking and things like that, uh, remarkably informative, even if you, like me, don't know which end of the hammer to hold. Don, thanks again for your uh, time and indulgence. Always a uh, pleasure rubbing brains with you. Uh, make sure to give uh, my best to Mrs. Barn and all the little sheds. You bet. Always, uh, always fun, and I hope uh, you and your uh, eyeball get uh, even better and better. As always, this was a great time. You bet. Thanks for joining us. Brian Wilson's my name, and will remain so until Kamala Harris utters a comprehensible sentence. But uh, in the meanwhile, pull the plug, Joe. <laughs> Thank you.